0: (laughs) The Slaughter and May podcast. Hello and welcome to this Slaughter and May podcast. My name is Marcea Galindes, and I work with the financing team here at Slaughter and May. Today we will look at some of the key issues for companies thinking about debt financing, refinancing or restructuring in the coming months and some of the themes that are starting to emerge. I am here with Matthew Tobin partner and head of the firm's debt capital markets practice, and Catherine Maloney, who is a special advisor in the financing stream. Now, as we move into post-lockdown phase, corporates are starting to review arrangements that were put in place during the March to June period. Catherine, what are the current options for corporates looking to finance or refinance?
1: As the summer drew to a close, we certainly started to see a number of companies reevaluate their financing arrangements, and the top priority has generally been their main bank facilities. I think there are concerns that credit committees could become quite busy in the relatively near future if there's a second round of COVID-related amendments coupled with ordinary refinancing requirements to manage. So it is prudent for companies to start exploring their options as much in advance as possible. In terms of what's happening in the loan market, we've seen some signs that banks are tightening lending criteria, as well as pricing and, in some instances, terms too. Now, this is quite familiar territory for us. Banks are typically cautious in post-crisis recovery periods, and this time, of course, we have the additional pressure of not being quite sure whether the crisis is over or not. And what we find in this type of environment is that lending relationships come quite sharply into focus and borrowers look carefully at where their support will come from. So the departure of one or two banks might not make a big difference to those who have a wide banking group, but it will affect others significantly and those borrowers will need to look into the best strategy for keeping the lending group together until the outlook is more stable. That might lead this to the conclusion that it's best for now to avoid a full refinancing and instead companies might look at amend and extend transactions with a view to blocking in their key banks as far as possible. The options will depend very much on the dynamics within the bank group and the terms of the borrower's existing loans, so are there extension options, are there accordion or incremental facilities that can be exercised. Existing lenders generally have a discretion to participate in these types of option, but they do provide a means of testing relationships. There may also be other ways of pushing out the maturities of syndicated loans where the borrower isn't confident of the support of the full syndicate, depending on the documentation terms. It might be possible, for example, for some borrowers to incentivise lenders to roll their commitments into a new tranche of debt with improved terms and achieve that without the consent of the whole lender group. This is the so-called hollow tranche idea. We've also seen a revival of the forward start structure that was developed after the global financial crisis. This involves extending the maturity of an existing facility by entering into a parallel loan on improved terms, again to incentivise lenders to stay in. The forward start loan then becomes available for drawdown on the maturity of the existing loan. The advantage of routes along these lines over a full refinancing is generally that a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush lenders are more likely to drop out of a new deal than an amendment to the existing deal. There are also advantages for borrowers who are happy with their existing documentation and don't want to reopen the documents more fully, as may be the case on a refinancing potentially involving new banks. A point that all borrowers will no doubt be aware of is that from now on, whether they're amending or refinancing loans, if those loans reference LIBOR, the topic of replacement rates will need to be addressed. So borrowers who are coming to the market now also need to think about how and when they're likely to be ready to switch from LIBOR and factor that into their discussions with lenders. So there's quite a lot to think about. The possibilities and the best option for a particular borrower tend to be fact-specific, including as to whether loan finance is the sole solution or whether there are reasons to look at other sources of, of
2: debt.
0: Thank you, Catherine. So, Matthew, what are the alternative to loans?
2: So, one of the issues that many companies have faced with the loan product uh, during the, the COVID situation is a realization that that they're subject to covenants and that uh, the covenants may may be an issue in circumstances where the loan are most required. So, as a result of that, companies have looked at alternatives, uncovenanted products. And of course, the, 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 the classic product, which is uncovenanted, is the investment-grade bond. So we've seen lots of companies um, enter into the bond market, which has been pretty strong in the period um, through lockdown, um, both companies that have existing programs in place, but also debut issuers. In addition to the, the straight bond market, we've also seen uh, a number of companies access the convertible bond market, um, which is a slight, slightly uh, less vanilla market, um, but 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 which has been a very useful source of liquidity for some. Obviously, depending on where the share price is, um, that market is is attractive for another reason, which is that the execution times for doing a convertible are actually pretty short. Um, because there's no requirement, generally speaking, for for listed companies to produce a prospectus or an offering memorandum in connection with a convertible issue. As an alternative to the public markets, um, companies are also looked to the the private placement markets, the US private placement markets. Um, Those are are widely used traditionally by by UK and other European companies. Um, And although the documentation is based on new york law documentation actually um for for most uh, uk european companies um actually local law is not an issue if they want to have consistency with the loan documentation um that market isn't covenant free um and typically the covenants will follow the the loan documents um but, but it, it it has been a good source of liquidity and, and also we've seen a number of um of exercises in terms of renegotiating covenants um, as a result of the issues that that companies have faced. In terms of other alternatives away from the traditional bank market and and the traditional um, public markets or or USPP markets, we've also seen direct lending coming to the fore, um, particularly for companies in the crossover or the leveraged market. And and what we've seen is that many credit funds have got significant amounts of capital to deploy. And as pricing widens in the leveraged debt markets, there is scope for those funds to, to compete directly with the banks. The other thing I'd say lastly in terms of alternatives is the is the, tra- the unitranche market, uh, where unitranche facilities are, are being used increasingly outside the sponsor led market. Um, just by way of explanation, Unitranche uh, facilities are, are term loans that are split effectively behind the scenes between senior and junior lenders. So there's no there's no intercreditor arrangement which the borrowers party to, um, and they co- carry the co- additional advantage of being covenant light, so similar to the institutional TLB market.
0: Thank you, Matthew. You mentioned um, ESG link products and certainly many companies have stated that uh, they will be pursuing green recovery plans. Could you expand a little bit on how financing arrangements can be aligned with the ESG objectives of a company?
2: That's a very topical question um, and, and it, I think financing arrangements are, are a great way to showcase green recovery plans and a sustainability agenda for a company. And that's been a really key driver for companies going into the ESG bond market and also the rather smaller ESG loan market. That's a good way of showing off what's happening generally in terms of an ESG agenda for the company. What we've seen is a renewed interest. Actually, it's a continuing interest this year in ESG issuance in a number of different sectors. Um, Excitingly, we've also seen um, ESG issuance enter into new products. So, for example, uh, ESG convertible bonds, um, which is something which hasn't been seen before. The other exciting development on the ESG front is that Whereas I think I would have said uh, six to 12 months ago that there isn't really a pricing advantage in terms of an ESG tranche. Actually, we're seeing greater pricing tension uh, arising as a result of introducing an ESG tranche or ESG investors in, in a product. So there is a pricing benefit now which potentially wasn't there before. The, the only caution I'd add in terms of an ESG tranche or an ESG product is that in terms of execution uh, that you need to factor into the timeline some extra time um, for to develop the ESG framework and to get the the second party opinions um, in relation to the framework, uh, which wouldn't be there in relation to a, a vanilla issuance.
0: Thank you. And time limits are definitely something important. We're all hoping for a fast recovery. But what happens is if the path to recovery is longer than expected. Catherine, do you
1: have any thoughts? Well, a couple of thoughts. Yes. Many of the COVID period covenant relaxations that we saw were offered for a reasonably short period. So lots of companies will be faced with those covenant relaxations rolling off in the first or or second quarter perhaps of next year. Now, if the path to recovery is longer than that and there's a second wave of lockdown or the company's profitability and results turn out to be more permanently affected by, by COVID, we might see another round of balance sheet support measures in the form of liquidity facilities and covenant relaxation requests. So I think some companies will be preparing for that. Businesses that have been and and continue to be the hardest hit by the effects of the pandemic might find that their capital structure requires more permanent adjustments and they need to do some kind of restructuring. And that might lead to the, the company rescue measures introduced by the Corporate Insolvency and Governance Act In the UK, so for example, the new moratorium and restructuring plan process being road tested further. So, Virgin Atlantic launched a restructuring plan under the new um, Act, which was sanctioned recently, and we're aware of several others in the pipeline.
0: Thank you, Catherine. Matthew as a final point I was wondering what happens to any excess cash some businesses will come out of lockdown with a significant amount of excess liquidity
2: That's completely right Mercedes in the sense that uh, what we've seen in and for a number of different clients is that they've built up their liquidity in lockdown um one of the initial responses to the crisis was to draw down Um, facilities, particularly revolving credit facilities, although I think it's probably fair to say that most of those have now been repaid. So they're still there in terms of liquidity, but no longer drawn down. I think uh, we've seen a number of companies put in place extra facilities, often short-term facilities uh, during the lockdown, um, or as I said before, uh, issue, issue bonds. So For a number of companies, there is a a build-up of cash on the balance sheet. I think it's too early to say that that cash is is going to be repaid immediately. Um, I think the reason the excess cash was there was generally to address a downside scenario, which has not yet happened, but may still happen. So I think it's too early to say that actually that that excess cash is is not required because clearly what we're seeing is a, a time which is very uncertain. Um having said which um there will be some requirement likely next year to exit government backed schemes and to repay that funding. There may be a desire on the part of the company of companies to exit government schemes if the conditions that are attached to those schemes become more onerous. And indeed, in terms of ex- exiting the government schemes, it, typically that's pretty straightforward in terms of repaying the government funding. Another option in terms of what to do with cash is obviously uh, to invest it, whether in CapEx or in MA. and Whilst M&A was pretty severely depressed at the outset of the, uh, of the downturn, what we've seen is uh, private MA actually being pretty strong um, as against uh, predictions over the last few months. And indeed, we've seen some green shoots in the public M&A market too.
0: So pulling that all together, what are the key takeaways for corporates?
1: Well, I think Mercedes picking up on our title, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Um, I I think the best advice at the moment is to look into all of the possibilities for managing your your debt and your liquidity position. Um, Prepare your story very carefully before you approach the banks and allow plenty of lead time.
2: My key takeaway would be in terms of contingency plans, have a number of contingency plans because this situation is tremendously fast moving and actually being flexible and being able to turn from one plan to the other if one plan doesn't succeed because of market conditions or whatever the case may be is going to be really important during this situation so my my suggestion would be flexibility is key
0: thank you both that brings us to the end of today's podcast thank you all for listening You can find further details on our recent publication, Debt Finance Post-Lockdown, Prepare for the Worst, Hope for the Best, which is hosted on our website. We're also hosting a legal update seminar on the UK's Corporate Insolvency and Governance Act on the 16th of September, for those who are interested to learn more about that. If you would like more information about anything we have discussed in this podcast, please feel free to contact Matthew, Catherine or your usual Slaughter and May contact. Thank you and goodbye for now.
1: For more information on this topic or to hear our other podcasts, please visit www.slaughterandmay.com. You can also subscribe to the Slaughter and May podcast on iTunes or Google Play.